Edging on Dunstan, a podcast where three certified Dunstan dunces dig into a cinematic masterpiece by 10-minute increments. This is our second episode where we talk about minutes 10 to 20, and I am Drew. I'm Sam. I'm Adam. Let me say this was a good 10 minutes. (laughs) This is a real good 10 minutes, you guys. Yeah, we we start off with uh, a a pretty simple opening. A lot of it's dominated by the musical number and the polishing of many knobs yeah uh this 10 minutes really starts off with uh just uh establishing lord rutledge as a child molester (laughs) (laughs) lord rutledge played by the incomparable rupert grant rupert everett i almost said rupert grant you did say rupert grant you freaking loser he's playing a pedophile in this movie interestingly like he was two years old or so in this movie was Okay, that's not true. But Rupert Everett, whose teeth doubled as Stonehenge in the Spinal Tap movie, <laughs> uh, plays Lord Rutledge, a... Child molester. A child molesting <laughs> nobleman? Question mark? He claims to be Lord Rutledge. He definitely thinks of himself as one, at least. He holds himself to that with that kind of air. Yes, and so we left off last time with talking about the trunk and the... The sports coats being rather loud. Adam, where does that take oh, yeah. us now? But this movie edging us so hard with that. <gasps> enough, mm, right there. I thought we were going to get monkey in episode one, but ooh, I had to wait for it. And see, I've been thinking about this monkey all week. Now that we finally get the monkey, we can talk into some more, uh, we get some more background on what the plot of this movie is going to be. We can, and get, we, can, we can get more into the best actor in this entire film. Monkey. Uh, we get a glimpse of Sammy the Orangutan, and <laughs> let's just say... First off, Lord Rutledge threatens to make a nosy little boy disappear, and that sounds equal parts silly and and kind of rapey. If, if you think if you think Adam is exaggerating, the exact line is, "I can make noise nosy boys disappear." It, nosy pulled, little boys oh, disappear. Since we're gonna be pulls quoting. a coin out from behind his ear and says, "My best trick is making nosy little boys disappear." And then when the boy mm. runs away in terror, Lord Rutledge pulls out his cane and then, like, rings the child back and says, My dollar! This, you really wanted that dollar back. This, this refers back to uh, what I said at the end of the first episode with the Epsteinification of Lord Rutledge. No, I told you it was coming. <laughs> now, this is the first time I've watched this movie, but I'm starting to get, like, an inkling that is, is perhaps Lord Rutledge the villain of the film? I'm not quite sure. He's not really been established yet as, like, a good or bad. I feel like he could be the villain of the film, but honestly, it could go either way for me at this point. Well, I'd say he's kind of chaotic neutral. Like, is he <laughs> is he mean to Dunstan? Yes. Does he have a heart of gold when he donates his fortune to, to making the Majestic Hotel a six-star hotel? Yes. It balances out. It's a noble sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, did, did I miss it? Or is, are his intentions made clear? Because he has some sort of plan, clearly. But I had no idea what the hell he's trying to do. Yeah, he, Oh, he's, he's got a plan, man. He's, he's a man with a plan. He's Dude, a British noble. He didn't should, just sneak a Dunstan in for the shits and giggles. <laughs> should I know what the plan is? Nope. Or is that gonna, okay. It's, it's going to come okay. into play later. But as, as far as we got, we ended right as he hung a little red ribbon outside of an unknown hotel room window. So, I don't know what's going to happen here. Maybe he just likes putting red flags. He's patriotic. There. He had a map of the hotel, and that's never a good sign. Yes, if, he, he had it on his computer, and he like zoomed in on a PS1 graphic. Yeah, like it. 90s computer technology. <laughs> 
I want to make this clear. If you're if, if you're a hotel owner listening to this podcast, if anyone comes in, make sure you search their bags for a map. If you have anyone coming into your hotel with a map of the hotel, you know they're going to be up to some shit. Or uh, an orangutan. If nope. you're searching their bags and you find an orangutan, that's another dead giveaway. Honestly, at this point, in an era where everyone has GPS built into their phones, I think if anyone is seen holding a physical map, it should be instantly considered suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw a man walking, like, walking down the street holding a map, I would call the police. Well, you can only, if he's got a physical map, there's only two assumptions you can make. Either he's a guy trying to, you know, up, he's up to no good in your hotel, or he's an old-timey pirate. Or a time traveler. Or t- <laughs> I like when Lord Rutledge goes around and says, Ahoy, Dunstan, be hardy. The treasure should be buried in his footstep here. Yarg. But uh, Dunstan, uh, being in the suitcase, as we were discussing, knocking to uh, poor little Kyle. Yes. Uh, I, before this viewing, thought it was odd. I made a little note uh, that Kyle doesn't report uh, the fact that Lord Rutledge's uh, luggage was knocking to him. But then he reported it twice in the movie, and it's so inconsequential that I forgot it after watching this movie like 20 (laughs) times. He reports to his father and the head of security that a man's luggage is knocking. Okay, Drew, tell me something right now. Would you take anything that fucking bastard child said seriously? If he said... I would immediately assume that, like, I'm going to walk up to the room and open the suitcase and it's going to spray water in my face. <laughs> well, I, I think, as much like the boy who cried wolf, I The boy who cried Dunstan's. This child's going to be, this kid, he's going to be walking up to his dad going, I think Lord Rutledge is a child molester. His dad's like, oh, you. <laughs> well, if you notice, Why don't like, you just go ahead and end my life now? If you notice in the scene where he's telling his father, he's on the phone with Lord Rutledge and Jason Alexander's like, yep, yep. Oh, sports coat, you say? <laughs> <laughs> they're just very loud. So. Yeah, they're t- you're used to uh, your little Sunday trousers and your leader hosens, boy. And your, but... your swimsuit, pretending you're swimming in a fish tank. <laughs> and your radical sweet bicycle shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that shirt was really good. We was sp- that was that a tiger on the bicycle? We we it was actually some sort of like it, it was. He has this like a uh, quad like proto furry. <laughs> t-shirt with like an animal on a bicycle that says in in beautiful filigree text underneath it sweet like i could not imagine a more 1996 shirt we had we 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 easily spent a solid two minutes of our 10 minutes trying to figure out what the was riding the bicycle (laughs) i say bear i I, think it was a tiger i thought it was a monkey oh my it was foreshadowing mine makes sense why would it be a bear on a bicycle 90s bears tigers and monkeys oh my it's it's barely possible (laughs) (laughs) all right but uh we also get introduced uh during Lord Rutledge's parade to Mrs. Della Croce, who's going to be a very minor part of the plot, and we get very intimately familiar with her cleavage. (laughs) The cameraman puts that camera right down her sweater puppies... They they pose it as they're looking at her jewelry, but no one's fooled. No, I didn't. I didn't even realize this was happening at first because it it doesn't zoom straight on the jewel. It actually goes to cleavage. It, her, like, it aims more at her cleavage than the than the necklace. Like why? It's keep, very unnecessary. Keep in mind, it's a PG rated movie. Also, can we, pretty horny, bro. What do we, kids like? Can we please discuss her cotton bud hat? <laughs> <laughs> she dresses a Q-tip at the six star at the five. 
five star hotel. Five star. Soon to be six star, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. Oh man, I when I was so excited about how much they said five star last time, but the number of times they said six star within a <laughs> ten minute window, like within the one conversation, they must have said six star five or six times. This movie was written by an astronomer. Because <laughs> stars. Uh, Oh, I, I do commend uh, Rupert Everett's performance in this movie, just the fact that he ogles her cleavage pretending that he's not a gay man. He misses Delectorine. See, that's, 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 it's pretty good acting, but I think after we do this podcast, more people will talk about it and give him the coveted Oscar. No, he's really a fantastic actor. Like, I, I mean, while we were watching this, I, I, I know like one of our rules is that we don't like check our phones during the movie or anything, so we're fully focused. But I did sneak away to, to uh, Google for a second to make sure that he wasn't actually a child molester in real life because <laughs> he did such a good job of <laughs> playing one in this film. He really sells it, you guys. Oh, all right. And an- another Which character. leads me to another line I really oh want to bring up. Please. When he says, spare the rods, spoil, spoil the monkey. The monkey. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing that's said in this movie. Spare the rod, spoil the monkey. I was so stupid when I was a kid. I saw this so many times and I thought that's what the expression was. <laughs> spare the rod, spoil the monkey. In addition to meeting uh, Lord Rutledge, we actually also meet a new character. Dunstan is checking in, people. He is in the freaking house, man. Something Alex Jones. These are this- Dunstan's. They're sneaking into your hotels. I want to point out that Dunstan never actually checks in so far. <laughs> Dunstan, in fact, fully bypasses the yeah, check-in actually, process Dunstan, by being smuggled into the Dunstan suitcase. sneaks in sounds actually way cooler. <laughs> hey, how much do you think they would charge if they knew he was bringing a monkey into the room? Would they charge separate yeah. rent for the monkey? Or <laughs> Dunstan impossible. Oh, uh, so yes, I see, you, I see you want the monkey sweep. <laughs> With plenty of bananas. Will that, will that be monkey or non-monkey? <laughs> Speaking of Rupert Everett being a great actor, he is able to have so many full conversations with his partner being an orangutan with the IQ of five. No, okay, I, I don't use shit on Dunstan like this. Dunstan is the best actor in this movie. Genuinely, Dunstan isn't... <laughs> Samuel the Orangutan is genuinely an amazing actor. I'm not even I'm not even just memeing for the podcast. This is a re- this is one of the best animal actors I have ever seen in the movie. Sam's actually right. He's actually pretty good from an objective standpoint. That stanky side eye he keeps giving you is, some, is something else, you guys. The way he constantly flips up his lips and just goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really good. <laughs> He's a hero. Oh. He doesn't get a whole lot of screen time, but we learn a couple things about him. And he smokes hard, he drinks, he drinks hard, hard, he fucks hard. <laughs> we haven't got that third one yet, but I can feel it coming. Spare the rod. Spoil the monkey. You know, in episode one, I, th- I think you guys uh, both talked about the horniness of this movie. I kind of thought you were kidding until this. Until the, the this next isn't the peak! Oh, it gets so much worse. They're they're using the security camera to ogle all the hot babes at the hotel. A grown man and a teenager were ogling women, either that were too old for the teenager or way too young for the... That's exactly what I wrote down. No matter how you spin it, it's inappropriate. Exactly what I wrote down was the fact that Someone is fucking wrong here. Dunstan checks in for statutory. Oh my gosh. Someone's the wrong, everyone's the wrong. <laughs> Dunstan been... checks in, everyone's kind of guilty. Dunstan is so far the only redeemable character in this film. Everyone else is going to hell. <laughs> With what about Ronald Reagan? 
He is innocent. Oh, he didn't do nothing. And Neil. And Neil. Speaking what? of which, Neil makes a wonderful cameo being held by Consuelo, who's also going to be a bit relevant for a scene. Yeah, she, she's gone on a vacation, never comes back. But after we're introduced to Dunstan, this just in, everybody. We have a Debrow alert. Debrow alert. Debrow alert. Debrow alert. Debrow alert. Debrow alert. Just the fact that someone decided to, to make that, like, as stupid as it is, I don't know, someone could have possibly, no one could have possibly thought that was funny, just to have random members of the hotel staff screaming Debrow alert for comedy purposes. Yeah. It's like half comedy, and it feels like it's more for exposition than comedy. It's like a, it's a very yeah. round, it's a, it's a very unnecessary way. All, all they had to do is have her walk in, have someone go, Everyone, be on your best behavior. She's like a, ho- I don't know exactly, like a hotel reviewer or yeah, something. Yeah, shut the fuck up, Sam. <laughs> Debrow alert. <laughs> but instead, everyone just screams, Debrow alert. All right, Debrow. and uh, with that lovely introduction, that brings us to Mrs. Debrow, who is played by Faye Dunaway. This is her second movie when she acts with a monkey. She <laughs> oh, was yeah. she was in King Kong. No, wait, that was Faye Ray. Never mind. <laughs> you Faye Dunaway. Before we leave Dubrow Alert, I'd like to point out that I think the fourth or fifth person yelling Dubrow Alert is famous lyricist Moz Death, the host of Death Poetry Jam. That's not me bullshitting. That's, for some reason, a man who was at the beginning of his stardom is in Dunstan checks in yelling Dubrow Alert. That's a hell of a poll. (laughs) (sighs) Moz Death. Yells Dubrow alert and then vanishes to the ether. That's the power of Dunstan <laughs> checks in, you guys. Hey, can I bring up some 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 really nitpicky, strange things that I noticed this time? Yes, no. yes, uh, that's why we do this. As no. I said, this being my first time watching the movie and and being in such a just, just such a, a quizzical headspace watching it in this format. This is a. If, if you guys have never watched a movie in ten minute increments, it is the hardest way to watch a movie. <laughs> If you've never seen this movie before, we really have, had to catch ourselves. I have no idea what's happening, <laughs> and, and you never will. In the one week that it took us between episodes, we've forgotten everything that just happened. The only saving grace is what little we've written in our notes. But it's perfect because it allows me to capture all the strangest details that I don't think I would ever notice in another movie. For example. This movie has a lot of POV shots. There is so like, many. And, and, and they're... I don't like any of them. <laughs> they're, they're all because ugly. They're, they're horrifying. They're all like hand cam, like kind of slightly shaky. It, the, a lot of times this movie feels like it's shot like a sitcom. The way... This, mo- this movie is uh, shot like a sitcom in a lot of scenes. I it's I, funny... You should say that because director Ken Quapis, who I did a bit, digging, a bit of digging on in between mm-hmm. weeks... Uh, is most known for his work on sitcoms. He is especially known for his work on The Office as he directed the pilot, the series finale, and the Gay Witch Hunt episode, which earned him an Emmy nomination. He also directed, uh, let me read this, 19 episodes of Malcolm in the Middle (laughs) and Licensed Wed starring Robin Williams. No. And He's Not That Into You, as well as The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Oh, oh no. man, uh, I, I'm shocked I noticed that so well. <laughs> yeah, good but job, it, Sam. It, it, something about the uh, just the way shots are framed and the way the camera moves—it feels very much like 
it very, feels very much like a sitcom. It's, it's it's interesting. Especially with the POV shots like you were talking yeah. about, how there are wide-angle lenses on that. Like, what in the fuck are but, they doing? And with just that slight amount of, like, handheld cam where it's... It, it's 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 not like something where you would expect. But when you think of like handheld cam in kind of a more modern film, you, you think of it being like very shaky, like someone like running with the camera. This is like stationary handheld cam. It, it's almost like a the like a hidden camera Parkinson's. sort of thing. Yeah, it's weird. It's just a very subtle shaking of the camera. And also since it's the POV shots are done in a way where things are obstructed from the view. Like we're the the okay. So the main POV shot we have in this part is. Uh, one of the kids being under the desk uh, as oh. Jason Alexander picks his, picks his actual son up by the pants and shirt and throws him under the desk. But why does you know, he like, do that? Like any good father would do. Oh, because... Uh, There's a DeBrow alert. Because DeBrow is coming, and of course he has to hide the child. DeBrow hates children, as you yes. know. She kicked Big Bird in the nuts, is what Jason Alexander <laughs> says. She doesn't say she kicked the guy in the Big Bird suit in the nuts. She found the literal Big Bird... And went to town on that guy's family jewels. She hated him so much, she kicked the shit out of a puppet. This movie's already perfectly perfectly set up with, with characters because uh, DeBrow is a perfect foil for Rutledge, whereas Rutledge is a child molester. <laughs> DeBrow hates <laughs> children. <laughs> she does she not oh like She kid. hates him so much, she won't even molest him. <laughs> <laughs> She has to traumatize them in other ways by just being an awful person. Before we move on from this... In what situation are you justified for kicking a guy in a big bird suit in the nuts? <laughs> Did I miss that? Is that a thing that happened? You were talking when it happened. <laughs> How did I miss that? No, I kicked Big Bird in the nuts. Right, right, before, what Alexander says. right before he drags the sun under the desk, he's like, she hates kids. She wants to kick Big Bird in the nuts. That's all, that, it, it, that's all we needed to know. Also, oh, before we move too far away, I'd like to mention when Faye Dunway, Mrs. DeBrow, walks in the hotel, she's taking little notes on a tape recorder, uh-huh. and one of her notes is, there's two cigarette butts in the ashtray. Which is good. This poor bellhop runs to the ashtray... Puts the two cigarette butts in his hat, and then runs away. So he has cigarette butts in his hat, just because he's so terrified of this ice queen woman. <laughs> That's a debrow alert for you. That's a debrow. We'll chalk that up to a, bra- a debrow alert, eh? Yeah. So of course that leads us to sort of uh, debrow's main uh, <laughs> main her, line? Her, yeah, her her sort of main sin so far in the movie. <laughs> where like for no good reason she forces Jason Alexander to fire an employee. Like, there's no real good reason for it. She, she bumps into Consuela. And Who's just... taking Neil to his pet psychiatry appointment. It's 100% the brow's fault. Let it, well, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't, it's semantics. Who cares? <laughs> really? Who had the but, right of way? She, she very specifically says that they haven't fired anyone since Christmas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just to establish how mean and icy this woman is. Also, I like to point out, she refers to her as having a foreign sounding name just so you get the sense that she's not only a bitch she's also a racist as though this movie in itself isn't going to be like vaguely racist I have a feeling that there's just going to be some vague undertones I'm just kind of getting that kind of vibe from this there's a little little, little uh, pixie dust of racism not, spring, but it was the 90s yeah, it's, it's, not like a, it's not like it's not overt it's just that kind of like mm, I don't know if you can say that it's like right on the fence between between light-hearted... It's not like, like grandpa racism, it's like dad yeah. racism. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, 
it's it's like this. Let me let me explain myself. No, you don't have to. You have grandpa racism where you have like the full on like grandpa's gonna go ahead and break out the hard R N word at Thanksgiving, but like you get like that more like dad racism where it's just like, dad, come on, you can't say that. It's not okay. Like, like, Grandpa says stuff, he goes like, oh, Yeah. Like, like, it's the difference between, like, like hearing hearing something racist that causes you, that gives you a physical reaction to hearing something racist that just kind of makes you go, mm. it, it, It's like a fine line between silly and offensive. Like, yeah. Like, if your dad said, huh, I didn't realize how many uh, Hispanics lived in our small town. That's yeah. not so much race, it's just that... Why are we talking about race when we're, t- <laughs> we're talking about Dunstan? Dunstan's people. We're getting off track. <laughs> so what's fa- what's uh, Mrs. Dubrow's uh, quest? What's her motivation in this movie? Adam, please tell her, me. Her motivation is she wants to get a sixth star that the Le Monde Association is awarding the most elite hotels in the world. Yes. Six stars. But how many stars did they have before this? They had five. They had this five was stars. a five-star hotel? See, at, at one point in the dialogue earlier, you might have missed this, it was, they just kind of dropped it, and... It was very said It was a subtle thing. They said, we have five stars, but we want six. And then, from that point on, Mrs. DeBrow is trying to make sure everything in the hotel is running smoothly, but this guy, Jason Alexander, Robert is his name in this movie. I, I will he's know got those crazy kids. Now that I know his name is Jason Alexander and not George Costanza, <laughs> you're asking crushing? me. You're asking me to remember a third name for this one person. <laughs> we got George. We got Jason. We got Robert. God, but, so many names. Or, but who's running the Lamond Association? That they're is it a toddler who's like. But then the bestest ones get a, a, another star. And, and, and then next year we're going to make the seventh star. Yeah, but that's what I was thinking. Like, at like, what point? like the Power Rangers. Like, where, this is the best Power Ranger. Where but also next season, there's an even gooder Power Rangers. That is the equivalent to someone saying, man, the value of the dollar bill's down. Why don't we just print more money? <laughs> that's exactly what that is. <laughs> Inflation and hotel stars. Oh, and as man. always, Dunstan checks in. It comes back to politics. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, you can see him attached to Faye Dunaway's shoulders and whispering into her ear. Edging on Dunstan, a political podcast. <laughs> we're going we're to view Dunstan checks in through a, through a political framework. We'd like to also clarify, we have no political affiliations. We have no agenda. We're here to talk about a monkey movie. We're, we're just three libertarians. <laughs> who, once, who once kicked Big Bird in the nuts. Little boy under the desk. There's a point where Faye Dunaway sits on Jason Alexander's desk while little Kyle's still hiding under oh. there. And Kyle oh. peeks his head out to look up her dress. Not Why? only does he look up her skirt, he looks and he smiles. Why did they feel it necessary to include... This movie is is horny in ways that don't make sense. Dunstan it does, is horny, y'all. It adds nothing to the plot. It adds nothing to the movie. It's not necessarily funny. If anything, it's just creepy. It should not be. <laughs> I, this, okay, here's something I really, really want to talk about because it simply tickled me pink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the scene where Consuela is brought in. And uh, what, what is Jason Alexander's name in this movie? Robert. 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 
Okay, the Seawoman Consuela is brought in, and Robert uh, explains to her that he's not actually going to fire her. He's going to give her a two-week paid vacation. Have Even her... though Mrs. DeBrow wanted to fire her. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have her pretend to be fired, like run out crying, because this is where they establish that he is a good person. And, uh... uh <laughs> kind of. He's not as racist as his boss. He's not as bad as the other terrible characters. But uh, I noticed something that's going to really bother me throughout the rest of the film because I know it's going to keep coming up. Do you guys notice how fucking shiny her badge is? <laughs> her badge, like, is throwing off the white balance of the movie. It is pure, like, her badge is so shiny. They polish everything so much in that first scene that her badge is causing lens flares. It's blowing out the lighting of the whole scene. The director's going, cut, cut, cut. We gotta dull this badge down just a little. It's but, sir, we can't. Bright. We can't, sir. We only know how to polish. If, if you think I'm kidding, look this movie up. Like, please find this movie and find this scene. It's please support <laughs> the official release of Dunstan, please. Buy it I on, beg you. Buy it on Blu-ray. Buy it on Blu-ray. Buy it on Laserdisc. Buy it on whatever format you prefer and get to this scene. Because her badge is so shiny that it is it, it actually genuinely is causing a lens flare in the scene. There are certain points in that the same shot you're talking about when she's playing with her little brooch thing. Like, it actually makes her face change colors because it's throwing the white balance off. And it's absolutely... This is like filmmaking 101. You set the white balance to the cameras. You make sure there's nothing that'll interfere. Nothing shiny. And there's nothing reflecting off of it. But they spent the first ten minutes of the movie polishing polishing every surface. (laughs) Maybe we're thinking too hard about this. Maybe this just goes into the way that everything was established before this. Maybe it's just... Maybe it's like the filmmakers screaming for help. <laughs> Maybe King Quape is... Quape? King Quape. This, this whole movie is a scream for help. I don't know about you, but it made me want to scream for help a couple of times. <laughs> 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 the whole movie is a scream for help. Oh, I'm too horny. <laughs> I'm gonna come. Too oh. horny and I can't stop thinking about monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't related. Or are they? I promise they're not related, but mm, the movie's gonna blur the line. <laughs> Blurring the line with Dunstan. That was our second name for this uh, podcast. But <laughs> as uh, Mrs. DeBrow is telling Jason Alexander that uh, she wants the sixth star, it's because uh, the Crystal Ball is the social event of the season, this upcoming mm. social event that's going to happen at the at the hotel. And she thinks that uh, there's an agent from the Lamont Society secretly staying in the hotel to observe the Crystal Ball and see if they're worthy of the sixth star. Mm. And so she says to Jason Alexander, we need to cancel your vacation to Barbados where you were going to save your wife and uh, your son was going to kill a shark with a spear gun. <laughs> also, just uh, as... It's not a joke either. The other people that are... Uh, the other Dunstan noobs that are uh, joining this podcast with me... Uh, he, he, this this awful child really wants to kill a shark. <laughs> he wants to kill a shark, but he wants to save a monkey. Actually, also to clarify, we have no idea what the crystal ball is at this point. Well, so this is just, we're going in blind here. It's the last Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> oh, well, also, no. also i just really have to wonder if this if this uh if this child's lost bloodlust for shark <laughs> is is what inspired the aqua the famous aquabat song shark fighter 
He's the original shark fighter. He's gonna go into the ocean and he's gonna punch the shit out of these sharks. This kid's gonna be like underwater, ripping their gills out. It's it's a bloodbath, you guys. I know, I, like the, everyone thinks about blood in the water with sharks. The only blood that's gonna be in the water is all this shark blood. But with oh. Kyle under the desk, Jason Alexander starts talking to Kyle under the desk. And tells him to kill him. Again! Again. Twice. Again! He says, if you're going to kill me, do it now. This movie is a This movie is a deep exploration in the mental illness. (laughs) This is some weird edible shit. Like, you must kill your father and take his place. (laughs) Dunce is really horny, bro. Uh, There's just... there's, There's so goddamn much going on in this movie. There's... There's so much to talk about, yet so little at the same time. There's so much to talk about, but nothing happens. <laughs> nothing yeah. happens, but there's so much to talk about. All right, so like, I can I can sum up this entire movie so far in like one sentence. Monkey. <laughs> Man runs five star hotel with shithead children. <laughs> there's a monkey in the hotel. That's, that's it. Sentences. That's the movie. Two sentences. I did it. That's the rest of the movie too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so, as far as the plot goes right now, or what you could call the plot, <laughs> we have not determined as to what it is. Yes. Brother. Uh, Drew yes. is raising his hand. Uh, you, you forgot there's, there's an important new character introduced alongside Mrs. Dubrow. Who is that? All right. Victor All right, so we have, Dubrow. We have, we have senile uh, Hugh Hefner. <laughs> senile Hugh Chadlord Hefner, Victor Dubrow, who... It's implied is the real monetary force behind the hotel, but his gold digger wife, Mrs. Dubrow, is running everything. Victor Dubrow is just come. He just comes off as like the sweetest and most senile old man in the world. <laughs> the first thing he says, his very first line of the movie, is, and this is the entire thing, <clears throat> two words: fluffy towels. Pardon. <laughs> Read, read the cards, Robert. He's reading all these suggestion cards. It's like, the guests want fluffy towels. Get, get send more to laundry. And then, then his wife's like, Victor, sit down and read your cards. And he's just like, ooh, yes, like, he's a, like he's a special kid. Sit down and work on your fractions or something <laughs> like that. Fluffy towels. Fluffy towels. And, and there's a point where uh, where uh, Jason Alexander is talking to his son under his desk, telling him to kill him. Yes, yes. And Victor's like, why are you talking to your crotch? <laughs> And Ugh. it's not a dress. It's just brushed off. No one says, are you okay? Are you seeing men in your pants or something like that? Why it's are you just... telling your penis wanna... to kill you? Hey, I want to know the mindset of a person who goes, wow, this man is telling his crotch to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> That's something normal that I, Victor Dubrow, have encountered before. It's, oh, you know what? It's the syphilis. It'll get me eventually. But my last note with Victor Dubrow is... Uh, well, before he leaves the office, he mentions to Jason Alexander that there's a small boy under his desk. Nothing happens about that. We're not sure. He just, Jason Alexander just goes, yeah. Like, he's <laughs> and then ashamed. Victor like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they just end it there. There's not like, oh, that's my son, haha. Ha. He was just hiding from your crazy wife. I guess they need to give him some sort of line that indicates that he's still... It's still uh, able to perceive reality as it's as it's happening. Just something he's it's more, he's more perceptive than he seems. Yeah, he's gonna act like the oracle of this story. He doles out justice. Really, it's a great strategy. If you just pretend to have no idea what's going on, people will just say real wild stuff around you. <laughs> then Jason Alexander calls Consuelo into his office, and he immediately starts like stroking her shoulders. 
he's like consuelo low and he's like grabbing on her and he's like i'm your boss and also i'm giving you vacation <laughs> what are you gonna do for that two weeks of vacation consuelo and then she's like oh. then she's like i don't know and then he's like oh can you can you can you run out of here crying and then she's squinting and he's like yeah that's what turns me on he starts twisting his nipples <laughs> you know what? this is why his kids are so oh. yeah kyle's still under his desk witnessing this exactly Man, just just the fact that I, I I just wish I could be like a fly on the wall in that lobby, just to see her go into Jason Alexander's room and just leave crying. Like I just I would think one of two things. I'd think, oh, he fired her, or he's gonna get me tooed, or Dubrow yeah. alert, or Dubrow alert. Yeah, that will be. The That's third. the name of this episode. Definitely. <laughs> episode one, as we already established, is sport coats. Sport coats. <laughs> In so, parentheses, a little loud. <laughs> offhand remark: I think we should. I think if it, it would be great if we d- do like mild censorship, like occasionally censor the fuck word with ape noises. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, get on it, editor. <laughs> Man, I I, I, re- I really want to get a child psychologist in here for one of the episodes as a guest star, just to try to figure out what's going on with these children. I I, I definitely think a lot of it has to do. With, uh... Repressed Dunstan. Yeah. <laughs> Repressed Dunstan is... <laughs> that's nothing, actually. I think that's nothing. <laughs> that's, that's the dictionary definition of nothing. <laughs> Repressed Dunstan is when, is when you watch Dunstan checks in for the first time, but then come to the horrifying realization that you have seen this movie before but can't remember when. That's Repressed Dunstan. You see Dunstan. It He's all in comes your dreams. back. One, two, two Dunstan checking in, <laughs> So Sam, where do you think this film is going from here? Oh boy, if I had to say where this film is going from here, I'd say that uh, probably what's going to happen is that... Wrong. In their, yeah, I can I mean, already tell you, you're going to be wrong. I think what's going to happen is Dunst is going to run around the hotel, nope. getting up to some hijinks, and then the movie's going to end very unsatisfyingly with, with virtually... No reference to any sort of plot at the beginning of the movie. I think there's going to be like one reference to, uh, oh, where were they traveling again? Barbados. Barba- I think there's going to be one reference to the Barbados at the very end of the movie. When you see Kyle with a shark in his teeth, he's mangling yeah, it. Yeah, it's I think- just like a, a, the credits are just like a clip show of like vacation <laughs> pictures. <laughs> Drew, you asked me where the movie, where I think the movie is going. Uh, my answer to that question is nowhere. I don't think anything's going to happen. I thought you were going to say hell. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I'm dragging you with me, Dunstan. No, no, Drew, this movie already exists in hell. <laughs> we're, we're all in hell with this movie. <laughs> they get it on demand in hell. It's just on a continuous loop. <laughs> Dunstan Checks In is a movie where a monkey is on screen a lot of times. In the times he's not on screen, there's other stuff happening. <laughs> but that's not the part of the movie you watch it for, so you don't really remember those parts. All they will, The movie was entirely... They wrote a bunch of gags about a monkey being silly in a hotel, and they said, Ah, shit. Now we gotta have things in the hotel without the monkey. Now we gotta have a reason for the monkey to be in the hotel? Ugh. Um, renting a monkey Ugh. for a day of shooting is expensive. What I'm happened gonna... was the screenplay writer... The, uh, Showed this to the to 20th Century Fox. Whose name was Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins was like, hey, I read this really cool screenplay about a monkey in a hotel. I'm like, wow, it's fascinating. How did he get in a hotel? Yeah. In, a, in, in, a, in a trunk. Now, you know what happened with this movie? They shot all the scenes of Dunstan first, 
And then they reversed engineered a movie out of that. Like, they oh. reverse engineered the rest of the movie based on the Dunstan scene. It's like, shit, uh, why is he here? Uh, it doesn't... So far, Dunstan has no correlation to the plot at all. It... Dunstan does not relate to the main plot of this movie at all. We're 20 minutes in, and Dunstan is just there. He's completely separated from any sort of connection you would have to the movie. Like, the overall plot, as far as I can tell from now, is that this hotel is a five-star hotel, and this evil woman is going to try to make it a six-star hotel by being awful to everybody there, and also there's a monkey in the hotel. <laughs> that, as, as of this point, that's all you can say about the plot. That's all that exists. All we know, as far as we can tell in the way of plot, is they want to get the sixth star. So but, as best I can guess, Dunstan is going to foil their plans of becoming a six-star hotel, run the business into the ground, the family's going to go bankrupt, they're going to move to the Barbados and live homeless uh, live on the off streets. Live off the sharks. Live <laughs> off the sharks that the children can catch with their bare hands. With their bare teeth. <laughs> with, the, with their bare shirts. <laughs> yeah. And they're barely legal. <laughs> I simultaneously hate and love this movie already. <laughs> it's just such a mixed bag. It's got so much, it's got so much childlike, innate curiosity to it. But it, at the same time, it's fucking. Dunstan checks in. It's it's like one of those pictures you see. It's like uh, the, name the, a the, single thing in this image. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. You're like uh, orangutan, and then you start questioning yourself, and you're like Rupert Rupert Everett was there. He's He's gonna rape a kid, I think. I'm really excited to continue to try to guess what happens in this movie, because I think by the end of the movie, I'll still have no idea what happens in this movie. We are in the last ten minutes. We are we are, we have ten minutes to go. We have one episode left. And we ask you where you think this is gonna go. You will have no fucking clue where it's going, because it's just so goddamn ambiguous about what the plot is. What the, what the motivations are. are. But Adam, there's monkey. You don't have to have a plot. There's funny monkey who eats banana funny monkey. and goes, shit, that reminds me. Have you guys heard of the movie called uh, MVP? Most most Valuable Primate? Yeah. There's a movie like from the, the golden age of the 90s where there's a, they teach a monkey to play ice hockey. I thought he was snowboarding. I think there's a sequel where he is plays this like ice a, hockey. Oh. Is this like a Forgotten Airbud franchise? Yeah, monkey? it's that it's that that thing. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah that's remember exactly Airbud. I do remember Airbud. <laughs> Air Bud. We're we're moving way <laughs> too far okay. off topic. Back back to the monkey <laughs> we all know and love. We're talking about monkeys here, not dogs. <laughs> well, I think this is a good sign that it's about time for us to wrap up on our time here. So signing off on edging on Dunstan episode two. I've been Drew. I've been Sam. I've been Adam, and this is your DeBrow Alert. <laughs> Check in with us next time, and remember, spare the rod. Spoil <laughs> the monkey. Have a great week, folks. Have living in the city. That was Edging on Dunstan, the podcast where three buffoons analyze Dunstan checks in ten minutes at a time. You can email us at edgingpodcast at gmail.com. If you want your email featured on the show, make sure to let us know if we can use your name. Edging on Dunstan is a podcast by Sam, featuring Adam and Drew. Editing is by Adam. Intro is Right to Ascension, written by Sam and remixed by Adam. 